Oh, dear. Well, if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, um, turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be there in a minute. But this morning we are wrapping up our series on courage. We've had a little three-week series on courage. And week one, we talked about this idea of proclaiming the truth, proclaiming the truth and how courage comes when our fear of God is greater than our fear of others. Our fear of God is greater than our fear of others. And, and you know, it's great to proclaim the truth and to have courage to proclaim the truth. But the biggest truth we need to proclaim is that of Jesus, the love and the grace that Jesus has given us uh, and therefore given to everyone. Uh, that's the greatest truth we need to proclaim. Above every other truth, every other social justice issue we might be passionate about, the truth of Jesus and the gospel needs to be paramount, needs to be number one, needs to be on, the, on, the, on, the, on repeat on our playlist. So um, proclaim the truth. Courage comes when our fear of God is greater than our fear of others. Then last week, Tom gave us a great word on telling the truth and integrity. Thanks, Tom. We really appreciated that. Um, and he's talked about this idea that integrity is doing what is right no matter the cost. Doing what is right no matter the cost. And, and we looked at a story actually just after the story that we're going to look at right now, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, and how uh, what was terrible about their sin was uh, the lack of integrity, how they lied and they, they weren't honest with what they had done. And how God wants us to live honestly with him and honestly with each other. Uh, there's great courage um, to, to live that way, to tell the truth no matter what, to live with integrity. And then this, this morning, we're going to look at this idea of following the truth, following the truth, going where Jesus takes us no matter how hard it is, uh, no matter how much we might like it or embrace it, but following Jesus wherever he would take us. And so we're going to read a story in Acts chapter 4, we'll unpack it a little bit and uh, we'll see what happens after that. You excited about that? I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. All right. Have you got Acts chapter 4? I've given you lots of time. Verse 13. Let's, let's read this together. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I mean, we could just park there all day on that verse. Uh, that is a good one to meditate on. But verse 14 says, Since they could not see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them again, called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Lord God, would you help us to hear your word this morning? Would you help us to understand what it is you want to speak to us? But more importantly, God, would you help us to do what it is you call us to do this morning? Put our faith in action. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I remember um, turning 19, my friends tried to throw me a surprise birthday party. Has anyone ever had a surprise party thrown on their behalf before? Yeah, great fun. Uh, and so 
they didn't they just didn't do a very good job though because I rocked up to the house and it was my birthday I think it was a Friday or a Saturday and um, I could see cars like around the corner um, I could see bodies moving in like through the window and so what I did is uh, I, I sensed something was up uh, sort of some things that you know if you've ever had a surprise party thrown and sometimes it's, it's pretty easy to cotton on um, and so I went around and just walked in the back door uh, instead of the front door and, and caught them by surprise. Um, and it was great. Um, we had a great time. We went down and played laser tag and um, Nathan Tonkin broke his arm, shattered his elbow. Um, pretty bad. I mean, it was a, it was a great time. <laughs> it was a great day. Um, but that's the only surprise party I've ever been thrown uh, and I'm sort of glad because I'm not, I'm not big on surprise. Anyone love, love a surprise? Just like blindfold me in. Yeah, a few people. You Strange. We'll pray for you later. Um, for my Bucks party, though, it wasn't a surprise party per se, but the whole event was a surprise. Uh, and so they blindfolded me and took me on a, a great adventure. But one of the things they got me to do, uh, surprise, we're going to a basketball game. And I thought, great, we're going to a basketball game. That's fun. And we went to, it wasn't NBL, it was, I think it was the big V. And so uh, it was pretty good standard. And, and then half time came around there and said, this is the surprise, Brad. You're the half time entertainment. <laughs> yeah, and that was my reaction too. <laughs> and so they dressed me up in a, like a bear costume thing. And I was out in the center court, like, that, oh, that was, yeah. Thanks, Russ. Uh, there was some workouts done in that bear suit prior, I think. Uh, and so there I was, out in the centre court, trying to figure out which way the ring was. And I think I had to do a shooting contest against some kids or something. But uh, uh, it was it was a hoot. It was a hoot. But uh, I tell you what, um, you know, the difference between those two surprises is one I could see coming and one I couldn't see coming. Uh, and when you can see the surprise coming, or when you can see the end coming, it's sort of, you're not very, you're not as tentative to walk into that. You're sort of a bit more confident to walk in. Like I was pretty confident walking into the lounge room because I could see what was about to take place. On my Bucks party though, uh, like the, I just had that tentative the whole time. It's like, yeah, we're going to a basketball game. But I know there, there is, uh, if you're an Australian and you know what Bucks parties are, you just know that there is a surprise coming. At some point in the day or the evening, there is... Aha, uh-huh, gotcha. Um, generally, us guys love to um, share our love with each other by embarrassing each other. So uh, I was a bit more tentative. And, and I guess uh, this morning, I want to talk to this idea that when we know the end, we follow the way. When we know what's coming, we're more confident to walk into whatever it is that we're walking into. When we know the end, we follow the way. Um, when the person you know or when the event uh, is sort of, you can see the end, you're not sure exactly what's going to take place on the way there, but you know the end, uh, you're more likely to follow the way. And so I want to uh, talk this morning how courage comes when we know the end uh, will follow the way. And so let's sort of start in Acts 4 and then we'll uh, go a few other places and, and see how this comes to be. So Acts 4, the story is this, Peter and John are being brought before the the law enforces of the day because they had just healed someone in Acts 3. If you know the Acts story, uh, Acts 3 tells a story of Peter and John healing the, the crippled beggar uh, at the temple gates. And so Peter and John, gold and silver, have I none, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus, rise up, take him out and walk. And so 
the man gets up and walks and praises God in the temple and everyone hears about this and sees this and then Peter gets up and sort of gives a gospel presentation and sees people saved. And so this is the sort of, after that all happens, this is what, this is what takes place. Uh, and so it says these unschooled ordinary men, and so this is basically the Greek word here is idiot. I mean, you look, I'm not joking, I'm not even exactly, you know, sometimes preachers say the Greek word for this is this. You like, look up the Greek word for this, unschooled ordinary men. It literally is where we get the word idiot from, idiose. Uh, and so these were idiots um, preaching the gospel, unschooled ordinary men. Uh, but something was different about them. They had been with Jesus. And so right there, there's a huge encouragement for me. Uh, you guys aren't idiots, but I'm an idiot. And if I had just been with Jesus, God can do something with my life. If you would just be with Jesus, God could do something profound with your life. It doesn't matter how smart you are, how talented you are. Unschooled, ordinary people can be used by Jesus to start a movement which we're still part of today. Uh, that is profound, and that is such a, an encouraging word right there. If we would only be with Jesus more, we would see more revival, I think, in our world, in our church, in our town. And so here we have these guys, Peter and John, they're preaching and healing people. They were following Jesus. They had this courageous ability to follow Jesus. It says uh, right there in verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, um, they were... They were doing what they had been told. They had taken the, the message and the word that Jesus had given them seriously. They had heard the message that Jesus said, you know, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them. And so they're like, all right, that's what Jesus had told us. That's what we'll do. And so they were courageous in their going and making disciples. The courage was evidence. They were facing prison, but they didn't stop. They were facing opposition, but they went at it anyway. Um, and so they're, 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 they're courageous in, in how they follow Jesus and they, they listen to the truth of what God speaks, not just what people say around them, not, not the pressure of the world, but there's something in them that is driving them to live and to do, um, to, to be courageous in the way they follow Jesus, no matter where he calls them. And so I love this reply that Peter and John give to when the, the law enforcers come against them. In verse 19 and 20, uh, it says, what is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or listen to him? Him being God, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. And so right here, we, we're sort of reminded of what we talked about in the first week of this series, that they're not interested in what man thinks of what the people around thinks. They're just concerned about what God thinks, about what God sees uh, and what God feels. They have their eyes set on com something completely different to the people that uh, these law enforcers normally deal with. When, I'm sure when the law enforcers normally come and speak to people and say, you've got to stop, people stop because it's like, I don't want to be thrown in prison. But Peter and John were different. They're like, eh, I don't really mind what you say. I care what he says. Who am I going to listen to, you or God? And so there was a huge countercultural sort of um, movement happening in Peter and John and the people that they were discipling because they had their eyes set on something different. Their eyes were set on the eternal God and his commands. So I want to quickly look at uh, four quick things that uh, Peter and John see and do in this little passage um, 
that will help us to follow the truth with courage. The first one is this, that they have a posture to obedience, not just understanding. They have a posture to obedience, not just understanding. So Peter and John weren't just about the theory of preaching the gospel, they were preaching the gospel. They were preaching the gospel. And I think this one right here is probably the biggest challenge for us in the Australian church, is to move past theory to action. To move past just knowing what we should do, learning stuff, know stuff, lead stuff, to actually putting our stuff into action and doing what we're, uh, we know we should be doing. And so Peter and John had a posture towards obedience. They weren't waiting until they were ready. They were unschooled, ordinary men. They were just in their whatever stage of life they were at, but they had a posture to do whatever it is that God had called them to do. They were like, if God calls us to go and preach the gospel, then that's, I guess, what we'll do. If we get thrown in prison, we'll get thrown in prison. If we get rejected, we'll get rejected. If we get embraced, we'll get embraced. It doesn't really matter because that's what we're called to do, so that's what we'll do. They had a posture towards obedience. Having the courage to follow Jesus is not just about believing right, it's about behaving right. It's about putting those things that we hold dearly in our hearts into action, that it overflows into uh, a courageous following of Jesus. So they had a posture of obedience, not just understanding the second thing that uh, uh, we see is that it was done with others, not just um, by yourself. So it was Peter and John. I love this about this story, that it was Peter and John. They were better together. There was strength in numbers. Uh, there was uh, courage given when um, there was more than one person in the room. You know, the great thing about the community that we're involved in and uh, being a Christian, being in the family of God is that we can give and receive courage from each other. We can encourage each other. That's literally what encouragement means, is to give courage. And you know the best thing about encouragement is that you can give courage to someone that you don't possess yourself. The person sitting next to you, you can give them courage. You don't have to possess it yourself to give it. And you can get courage from someone who doesn't possess courage. And so I think we could... I mean, courage could just blossom out of this place if we would just encourage, if we would just give each other courage. It's like we've got this ability to give and receive courage, even though maybe none of us possess it like we should, if we would just give it to each other. Uh, and so I think that's a huge encouragement, uh, huge challenge for us is to, to give courage to someone, even if you don't feel uh, very courageous yourself. Give courage. Encourage someone to go and follow Jesus no matter what the cost, that they can do it, that God will be with them, that, they will, that God will see them through whatever it is they're, they're being called towards. Give courage and receive courage from others. The next thing we see is that uh, Peter and John have a desire, they desire God and his ways over people. And we've sort of already touched on this, that courage comes when our fear of God is greater than our fear of others. Peter and John care more about what God thinks than what the law enforcers of the day think. They care uh, more about what God sees and what God feels than what the people around them see and feel. They care more about the, the pressure that the Holy Spirit has put on them than they care about the pressure that the culture is putting on them. And I think when we desire God most, then we'll live with the same courage as well. It will fuel us to live with a, a greater desire to please and to, to live by faith and be pressured by the Holy Spirit 
uh, rather than pressured by the culture and the people around us. And then the fourth thing that I see, um, which is where I want to end and drill our time down in uh, this morning, is that they realised their destination was secure. They realised their destination was secure. And so Peter and John had this different sort of mindset that it didn't matter if you, was gonna, if you were going to throw them in jail that day because it was just that day or it was just that week or it was just that year or it was just that decade. It wasn't forever. Where forever was going to be was already determined for them. And so they had this idea that when they know the end, they follow the way. Look here in Acts 3, the chapter before. This is part of Peter's um, message and, and sermon, if you like. And he says this, he says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. And so Peter has this, this idea that there is a greater day coming. There is a greater restoration coming, that Jesus is coming back. And he's going to bring all things together. And that's what we're aiming towards. That's what we're living for. And that's what we're focused on. They knew the end, so they followed the way. And when we know the end, we follow the way. I want to look at another passage of how Jesus does the same thing with his disciples in John 14. So let's have a look in John 14, another passage, and see how Jesus instills courage in his disciples through painting this picture of what is to come. It's found in John 14, verses 1 to 6. It says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is Jesus giving comfort to his disciples in the midst of an uncertain future. So right before this, Jesus has just um, sort of revealed to his disciples that he's going to die, he's going to get put on the cross. And so his disciples are presumably upset, worried, concerned. What's this mean? I mean, we've left everything to follow this guy and now he's just going to die? We've given up our jobs, we've left our families, we have nothing to go to and he's going to die? What? is going to happen to us? How do we get to where you're going, Jesus? How, what do we do? I mean, for us, it's sort of, it doesn't seem like much of a passage, but put yourself in the disciples' shoes. They are literally just given everything up. They don't know what tomorrow is going to bring at all, where their food's going to come from, who they'll know, who their family will be. And Jesus says, don't worry, guys. Don't let your hearts be troubled because I'm going to heaven and I'm preparing a place for you. And I'm going to take you to be where I am. Heaven is coming. So you can take comfort in the, in the way to this destination. Jesus will, he will take his disciples with him. And he will take us with him as well. He is the only way there. You can't get yourself there. You can't follow the ways of this world there. You can't follow your parents there. You have to follow Jesus. You have to follow the truth to get to where he's going. 
And it's easy to follow the truth when you know the destination is good, when you know that where you're going is good. And so um, it, it pays us as believers in, in Jesus to look at heaven, to think about heaven and to see how good heaven is going to be. Because it makes it easier to follow Jesus, through the, especially through the tough times. I know Alana and I um, often, most years, go on a holiday. We drive up the coast uh, as far as Byron Bay. Um, and you can judge me if you like that we go there, but I don't care because I care what God thinks, not what you think. Uh, anyway, so uh, we, we go on a journey and, and, you know, the drive is long. The drive is long. But because we know where we're going, because we know the spot to where we're going, it doesn't, it, it sort of makes the drive fun in a way. It sort of makes the drive bearable and, and exciting that we, we get, we're there, we're only 26 hours away, woo, and we got, you know, the two kids in the back um, screaming already and we're only at Stratford. Um, <laughs> it doesn't matter because we're, we're going to get there. Um, now, if I had to just drive that far with the boys in the back, just for no reason, to get nowhere, man, that would not be my idea of fun. I mean, some people would just, like, oh, let's do it, let's pack up the kids and just drive and go nowhere. I was like, that sounds like torture to me. It's like having no destination, nowhere you know where you're going to stop and like unpack the car and just not get in the car for another 10 days. Um, but when you know that the destination is good, it's, it makes the journey worth it. It makes the journey okay. Uh, and when we know the destination, when we know where we're going, it makes the, de- it makes the journey okay. It do- it's, it's sort of like what Peter and John f- face and, and feel that it doesn't really matter what happens to me on this, on this world, in this life, because I know where I'm going and I know how good it's going to be. And so when I know the way, when I know the end, I follow the way. It's also easy to follow when the person knows the way. It's easy to follow someone when the person knows the way. I mean, Jesus declares he is the way. He doesn't just know the way. He's like, I am the way. I don't just know the way. Um, Harrison is going through this stage in life where he sits in the back seat and everything uh, he says in the car is like, Dad, can you ask Siri to do this? Can you ask, and if you don't know who Siri is, Siri is the little personal assistant on your phone. He's always just like, tell Siri to tell us the way. Tell Siri to put Paw Patrol on. Tell Siri to do this. Tell Siri to do this. And so forever we're like, if we're driving to my parents' house, hey, Siri, take us to... I was going to give you a address away there. Ralph Avenue. <laughs> um, and so wherever we go, we have to ask Siri, hey, Siri, tell us the way. And so and it makes it so much easier. I mean, because we are often getting lost in sail, you know. So many turns, so many places. Uh, and it's... You know, there's confidence in, in, in how you travel when, especially if you're in a town you don't know, uh, there's confidence in your travel when the person giving the directions is clear and you've got like a little screen in front of you and you've got the little blue arrow, it's like 200 metres, turn left, 100 metres, turn left, 50 metres, I mean, they give you a reminder every two metres that you've got to turn. Uh, and that's great if you've got a phone that, and, and a map and a little blue arrow showing you where you are and where the next turn is, but life is not really like that. Uh, following Jesus is not really like following Siri. Have you ever noticed that? That Jesus is not like, all right, in five minutes I want you to do this. In two minutes I want you to do this. It's like, that'd be great if we just had, hey, Jesus, tell me the way. And then you know, he would, beep, beep. Sorry, I don't know what today is. You know, and Jesus, I said the way, not to, anyway. If, 
Yeah, recalculating route. But it's, I think following Jesus is sometimes a bit more like, you know, following someone in the back who has got a map of Melways. You ever, does anyone remember Melways? You know, the, some people like Melways or the, the, what's the other one called? The UBD? UBD, is it? Yep. I remember my stuff. I used to drive when I was three. The Melways? Anyway, for those who don't know what Melways is, Melways is before Siri, before Google Maps. You had a, like a printed map of Melbourne, of Victoria, of towns, and they would bring out a new edition every year uh, because roads would change. And so you'd be like, all right. Uh, and literally businesses and houses would say, we're on page 82, E5. And so you'd look on page 82, E5, and you'd find, all right, so there's somewhere in that little block I've got to find there. And I'm on page... 22 and it's sort of like a choose your own adventure because you go off the page and it's like now turn to page 68 and you're just like it's a lot of fun if you if you want to have, have a hoot next time you drive somewhere you don't know try to do it with the Melways from like um, but you know it's sometimes following Jesus is a bit more like getting directions from someone who's got a Melways from the wrong year in the back seat uh, who's trying to figure out what page you're on and what page you need to be on uh, and you know I remember vaguely remember being an early teenager trying to work out where we were in Melbourne sometimes uh, and you would just try to figure out what page you were on most of the time. It's like, oh, I think we're on page 60 now. I think we were supposed to turn 20 minutes ago um, back on page 40. And, you know, to the driver, that doesn't make any sense. But following Jesus is a bit more like this sometimes. It's not super clear what the thing is that we're supposed to be doing, what term we're supposed to take, what... What, what direction in life we're supposed to go. Following the way is a little bit more like, oh, maybe I should have done that 20 years ago. Maybe I should have, done, maybe I should have said that yesterday. Maybe I shouldn't have said that yesterday. Uh, it's not as clear. It's unclear what is around each corner. And if I do this, um, you know, God, what's, what's going to happen next? And so it takes courage to, to follow when we are unsure of the terrain, when we're unsure of where life is taking us or, or what the direction really is. And when we're just being led by the Spirit to sort of go with where we think God is calling us to go, it takes a lot more courage. But God still calls us to have courage and to follow Him anyway. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 5 where it says, we live by faith and not by sight. We live by faith and not by sight. And Paul, if you know 2 Corinthians 5, you know Paul is talking about heavenly bodies. He's talking about this idea that there is a greater day coming. We live by faith and not by sight. We don't live by what we see, but we live by faith. Uh, even in Hebrews 11, I don't have these verses here, but Hebrews 11 talks about the, the heroes of the faith. And it talks about, I think it's Hebrews 11, look it up, 13, 14, 15, 16. It talks about how they had their minds set on a heavenly home. They, they were foreigners and, and strangers and exiles in this land and they were looking forward to something better. They were looking forward to a, a better country and how we, when we live by faith, that's what it is to live by faith, to look forward to a better day, to look forward to a better, a better future. And we can have courage when we look like this and when we keep our eyes fixed on the end. So courage comes when we look at the end and we look at the destination and we keep our eyes fixed on eternity. But I think it's more than that as well. I think courage is more than just changing our eyesight, changing our perspective and, and looking more at heaven. Because, I mean, 
if you've been in church a long time, if you've been a Christian a long time, you've thought about heaven a lot, and maybe still you feel like, I'm, I'm not very courageous. I'm not very courageous. I mean, I think about heaven and I wish I was there, but I'm still not very courageous. But I think it's more than just keeping our eyes fixed on heaven. Peter and John aren't just looking at a heavenly home. There is something more powerful at work in them. It's not just looking at heaven, but they're realising that the maker of heaven is in them and fueling them, giving them courage. Acts, 29, Acts 4, verse 29. So after this takes place, after we go back to the story of Peter and John, after Peter and John are confronted by the, uh, the law enforcement, they're thrown in prison, they pray a prayer. And this is, the prayer, this is a part of the prayer they pray is, Now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Great boldness. And so what they're asking for, and all through Acts, is this idea that the Holy Spirit is fueling their courage and fueling their boldness to preach the gospel. That it's not them just sort of willing themselves together to say, oh, I've just got to be more courageous. But there's something more powerful at work in them. Over and over, it's the Holy Spirit filling and enabling the apostles, the believers, to fulfill the mission of God that they're called to. The courage is literally fueled by truth. It's not fueled by just knowledge of the truth, but it's fueled by the indwelling of the truth, the Spirit of God. If you go back to John 14, if we sort of um, jump back to John 14, Jesus is giving his disciples courage. Um, John 14 is not just John, um, Jesus pointing them towards heaven, but Jesus is also saying, I'm going to heaven so you get the Holy Spirit. This is how you're going to have courage. This is how you're going to follow the way. It's because I'm going to heaven and I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. And when I give you the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to live with this boldness. Look what it says in John 14, verse 16 and 17. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Man, this is such a great promise of God. This is such a great thing for us that we don't just have to know where we're going, but we get to have the spirit of truth in us, literally giving us courage, giving us boldness, enabling us to do things and say things and be, be the, the child of God that we're called to be without us um, having the ability to do so by ourselves. So here we have the spirit of truth given to us to fuel our courage, to help us to obey, to live out the mission that Jesus has for us. You can't be courageous in the way God wants just by willing yourself towards it. Just by saying, oh, I've just got to be more courageous. I'm going to be more courageous this week. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I mean, you'll, you'll do better, I suppose, if you tell yourself that every day. But not in the way God really wants you to be courageous. You won't have boldness in the way God desires to, you to have boldness. That comes from the Holy Spirit at work in you. Courage is fueled by truth. Real courage is God confidence, is, is God at work, not just self-confidence. It's not just willing yourself more. It's counter to what the world would tell you courage really is. And so this morning, as the band comes back up, I want to I pray for people, I want to pray for us to, to be filled with the Spirit, to have this boldness, to preach the gospel, to go and do, not just go and know, to live out what it is that God is calling us to. So would you stand?
Let's, let's pray. And if you particularly want the Holy Spirit to fill you and give you this courage, this boldness, this week, this year, maybe for the first time, maybe for the hundredth time, I just want you to, where you are, just maybe put your hands out, raise your hands, just put yourself in a, in a physical posture to acknowledge that, Holy Spirit, I'm ready and I'm willing and I, and I want to be filled uh, by you. I want to have this courage, I want to have this boldness to live the way you want me to live, to follow the truth no matter what the cost, no matter how hard it is. So if that's you, just raise your hands, put your hands out. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and fill this place, that you would not just um, show us who God is, but you would fill us. You would fuel us to be courageous in telling the truth, in proclaiming the truth and to following the truth. God, we can't do this without you. We cannot go where you want us to go without you at work in us. God, we pray for courage like you gave Peter and John. God, we pray that you would help us to fear you more than we fear those around us. God, we pray that you would help us to, to make a difference in the world that we live, a difference in our families, a difference in our schools, in our workplaces, as we follow you with courage, as we tell people about you with courage. Holy Spirit, fill us. God, we pray for revival like we saw in Acts. As people were filled with the Holy Spirit and relied on the Holy Spirit and lived out that truth. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill the hearts of believers here this morning. You would help us to live with a courage and a boldness like never before. You would remind us of who we are in you, that we are loved and accepted by you, that you have a future and a purpose for our life. God, help us to keep our eyes on eternity so that we follow you no matter where you take us. God, we thank you for being with us this morning. We ask that you would continue to change us as we walk out of this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.